Good morning, friends. Welcome back. <clears throat> We're at episode. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> hey, Lou, how are you? I'm very good. You need a chance to get clear your throat there. <laughs> yeah, right. I get <laughs> choked up when I'm with you, Lou. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to be talking about episode 205 today, um, which is chapter 18, verses 42, 43, and 44. Um, I hope you have listened to episode 204 because it gives you the foundation for this. And this is a very important episode because we're talking about the caste system of India. And I urge you to please listen to episode 204 before you listen to this. Otherwise, there's that misunderstanding. Anyway, verse 42 speaks about the qualities and characteristics of a Brahman, a Brahmana, one who knows that he is Brahman. We all say, Tattvam Asi, you are that, or Aham Brahmasmi, which means I am Brahman. We say it, but we don't believe it. We just say it. A Brahman actually lives it. He not only believes it, he lives, he conducts himself as if he is Brahman. So he's called a Brahmin. And an interesting thing that we've talked about before, but and I won't say it again, but when William Blake, the father of American literature, along with Wolf, Ralph Waldo Emerson, came to England to study about the Gita, Yes, they studied the Gita, along with Thoreau and uh, Walt Whitman and so many others. Mm. They all called themselves Brahmins. And the reason was that uh, William Blake was a painter, and he painted himself as, along with his teachers, who were brown-skinned and dressed in white robes. And he said, the Brahmins, that was the name of his painting, including him. So the British started teasing him and started calling him the Brahmin. So he actually named that painting The Brahmins. And so they started teasing him and all his friends who came over from Boston and started calling them the Boston Brahmins. So when they came back to Boston, they continued that with the Boston Brahmins uh, name. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there was the Concord Movement and many others like that, all of which followed the teachings of the Gita. That's a whole other chapter in yeah. and of itself. But... Verse 42 talks about the Brahmins, and it says, A sattvic person, a Brahmin, his gunas are, again, born of the Prakriti, born of his nature. These gunas of a sattvic person, a Brahmin, produce his nature, and that is serene, composed, restrained, austere, knowledgeable. So the Gita here in verse 42, gives eight qualities of a Brahmin. Eight qualities. These are very beautiful qualities. A Brahmin is sattvic. His karmas, his duties, his actions are born of what comes naturally to him. Spontaneous actions because of his gunas. Krishna didn't say to Brahmins, be a priest. Right. His sattvic qualities are predominant. Maybe 80% of his qualities are sattvic. The rest may be rajasic, because don't forget, Brahmins are also rajasic. They want to do something. And some of it, without tamas, he won't be able to sleep or relax. So he has some amount of tamas. Yeah. Not because of his family of birth. He could be born in a shudra family or in a different country, but he could still be a Brahmin. 
Sattvic Brahmin is calm, equanimous, quiet, tendency to learn and to teach. His mind is subtle. So here are the eight qualities of a Brahmin. First is called in Sanskrit Samaha, S-A-M-A-H-A, Samaha. Samaha means quieted, quiet, quietude, quietude, quietitude, quietitude of mind. What, why is his mind quiet? Because he has control over his desires. His vasanas are quiet. When his vasanas are quiet and his mind is quiet, there's a lack of craving. When we, you and I, we all have our cravings, our mind is the one that's making all this noise. I want, I want, and on. So a sattvic person, a Brahmin, doesn't have those cravings, so that quietitude of mind is present, and there's an absence of irrational desires, which in Sanskrit are kama, krodha, lobha, moha, madha, and matsarya. So that means desires, all desires. Anger, when your desire is frustrated, you get angry. Um, greed, for wanting what somebody else has. Moha, attachment, uh, mother, uh, desire for different things, and matsarya's envy or jealousy. So those are all absent in a Brahman. Mm -hmm. So therefore he is samaha, quietitude of mind. Next one is damaha, D-A-M-A, self-restraint. He has control over his sense organs, his five organs of um, receiving on the end and the five organs of action. Mm -hmm. Um, he has control over all his act, organs of actions, his tongue, his eyes. They don't wander. They don't look. That's a good control, by the way. We said before in our last episode that your actions, your control should be over your hands, your legs, your feet, and your mouth, because these are the ones with which you uh, send messages to others when you need to lash out. You hurt with them. But right. we didn't talk about the eyes. And the eye is a sense organ. And the eyes is the one often which get us into trouble because our eyes are always wandering. And a Brahman has control over his arms, his legs, and his voice box for sure, but also his eyes. Mm. He doesn't keep looking at things because that produces within him temptations. So, Dhammaha. Next is Tapaha. Tapaha is, tapaha is austerity, conserving all his energy. Physical energy, emotional energy, intellectual energy, and spiritual energy. After conserving it, he directs it towards his pursuit of the spiritual uh, desires that he has to move to his spiritual goal. And therefore, he controls his mind and body in this tapaha. The next one is shaucham. Shaucham means clean. So cleanliness is an important aspect of uh, Brahman. Cleanliness internal as well as external external is easy right you think about your body being clean your environment being clean everything your work your desk your everything is clean and organized but in addition your body is fit and healthy not just clean he, he does yoga or exercise whatever and he clean, cleanses the external part inner is because of purity of speech your speech is pure, your actions are pure, um, your emotions are clean, and your thoughts are clean. That is cleanliness. We keep Brahman keeps all of this clean. Next one is shanti, which is forgiveness. Forgiveness of himself, 
don't be hard on yourself. Forgive yourself. Accept your nature. Accept your gunas and forgive. And forgive others the similar way. Like somebody wrote to me recently, one of our listeners, <clears throat> and asked, what does forgiveness mean? If I just say, listen, I forgive him. And I said, do you have children? <clears throat> and she said, yes, I do have children. And I said, when your child were, were, as a young child, if he bit you and it caused you pain, would you be mad? She said, yeah, right away I feel, you know, like I want to smack him or something. <laughs> I said, sometime in the future, would you hold that against him? She said, no, he's my son, he's my daughter, whatever. I would still love her. That is forgiveness. Yeah. When you're truly able to get past that, that's forgiveness. And a Brahmin shows this kshama both for himself as well as for others. Next one is Arjavam. Arjavam means uh, um, being straightforward, being honest, being upright, saying it as it is. No crookedness. No, his intellect, his senses, everything is very straightforward. His body, his senses, his intellect are all in perfect harmony. Um, everything is one with each other. There's, he means what he says and he says what he means. And that's Arjavam. The seventh one is jnana. Jnana is knowledge. Vijnana is knowledge that is then incorporated into your behavior, your way of thinking. So he has the knowledge of scriptures, this knowledge that we are sharing. Uh, he has the knowledge and the wisdom of what he has experienced through this knowledge. That's Vijnana. And the last one, number eight, is Astikya Bhava. Asti means to believe. Na asti means not to believe, not to believe in a higher power, in God. So a na asti or nasti or a nastik means a person who doesn't believe in God. Nastik, na asti. The important thing is in English, it's known as gnostic with a G, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, gnostic. Yeah. Now, we know about the Gnostic Gospels, which were found, I think, in the 1940s. And then it took the Vatican 50 years to say, yes, these are authentic uh, Gospels from followers of Jesus. But they call them Gnostic Gospels. Whereas we might say those were the true Gospels produced by the followers of Jesus Christ, the founder of Christianity, the Vatican said these are Gnostic. Gnostic meaning not believing in God. Naasti. So right. that's where the word Gnostic is an aside. That's where the word Gnostic comes from. Faith that Brahman is, exists, God is, that is Asti. A believes in God, Naasti, or Gnostic is not believing. So these are the eight qualities of a Brahmin. Samaha, quietitude of mind. Damaha, self-restraint. Tapaha, austerity and conserving all energies. Shaucham, inner and outer purity and cleanliness. Kshanti, forgiveness of oneself and others. Arjavam, straightforwardness, being upfront, say what you mean, mean what you say. Jnanam and Vijnanam, knowledge and wisdom. And lastly, it is Astikya Bhava. So that, those are the qualities of a Brahmin. Next comes Kshatriya. Kshatriya is mostly Rajasic. He's extremely Rajasic, with Sattvic being the second. He's more action-oriented. He has his prowess in battle, splendor, steadfastness, 
He is radiant. He is brave. His gunas are born in prakriti, born of one's own nature. His gunas are those that come from his past lives and deeds, as well as his um, um, inborn characteristics. Those are his to be rajasic. He has seven qualities. He is a leader, a born leader. In the past, kshatriyas were either kings or uh, soldiers or law enforcement. So the first one is in Sanskrit, shaurya. I say this, by the way, Lou, in Sanskrit, because there's a lot of people from India or people right. that know some Indian languages. And so this makes a slightly uh, different impact on those that can understand these words. So the first quality is Shaurya. Shaurya refers to valor, bravery, prowess in battle, skill, and courage to fail challenges. So it's not all, in today's day and age, it's not necessarily all about fighting in battle, also facing challenges. If you're the CEO of a company, you face challenges. You face the same kind of battles from other comp competitors and other companies. So he has the courage to face these challenges. Shorya, the valor and bravery. Next is Teja. Teja means radiance, splendor, confidence, power, vitality, brightness, glory, gloriousness, majestic appearance. He's a CEO. He's a leader. He's a king. He's a president. He has teja, brilliance, <clears throat> brightness. Next one is dhriti or dhairya. Firmness, conviction, righteousness. He won't move from his firm path of righteousness. What he knows is correct, he will keep doing firmly. He is devoted, he's determined, he's consistent with his path. Mm -hmm. Next one is alertness, ready to face any sudden challenges or change. He's alert, he's sharp. Any changes take place in the economy, in the world, he's able to quickly turn around on a dime and, and face it. He's dexterous, dakshata. Um, a quality of a leader he has, he's skilled, he's expert, he's deft, he's prompt in making decisions and acting, and correctly. Next one is Yuddhi, number five. Will not run away from a battle or a difficult situation. He won't turn his back and run. As an aside, in India, there are or and were Rajputs. Raj means king. Mm -hmm. Put means son son of a king. These are pure kshatriyas, Rajputs. When they would go out to battle as Rajputs, they were extremely brave. People did not want to have a war with Rajputs. And their wives would stay ready for when they came back with injuries to take care of them or the dead bodies. When One of the rules was that when they came back with injuries, if the injuries were on the front of their body, their wives and sisters and everybody else took care of them. If the injury was on the back of their bodies, it indicated to them, I don't know how far this is true. This is what I've heard. The injury was on the back of their body. They didn't treat it. They didn't help the warrior because <laughs> they said, you got it on the back because you were running away from the enemy. Yeah, And that's against the qualities of a kshatriya, you are a kshatriya, so you don't get it. So anyway, that's yuddhi. Next one is dana. Dana, we've heard many times before, which is charity, donations, giving generously to others. Kshatriya's nature is to be generous. Share with the world. 
of a good ruler, a good king, a good warrior, a good CEO is not stingy, just gives generously. <clears throat> In India, there are Sikhs, S-I-K-H-S. This is the what we've seen often with a turban on yep. the head. They never shave any part of their body, so their hair is never cut. They they developed when the Muslims were actually invading India. And these were originally Hindus that said, we have to become warriors. So their leader at that time said, you're not going to cut your hair, gave a total of five different edicts, among them being, you're warriors, so you will not cut your hair. So you look fierce when you're coming down, all charging you know, fiercely like, like demons with your hair uh, uncut. Um, those... Sikhs today are among the bravest soldiers that were in the British Army or the Indian Army, very, very brave. They have these temples. So one of them is known as the Golden Temple in India. And every week they have these langars, which is very generously, they all provide food for anybody and everybody that comes to the temple, as many as can come. Sikhs are extremely generous. Uh, these warriors, these Kshatriyas are extremely generous. They have donated uh, very generously throughout India. Hospitals have been created where they don't charge money, etc. So Dana, Kshatriyas are very generous. <clears throat> Nature is to be generous. And the last one, seven, Ishwara Bhava, which is godliness, as if you are a god to your people. Not God, but as if you are a God to your people. If you're a leader, if you're a king, if you're a CEO, you're a God to your company, to your country. You are the master of your situation and the situation of everybody below you that you command. You're princely. You're in a commanding position. You're the opposite of being subservient. So you're a leader. So these are the seven qualities. Valor, bravery, radiance, splendor, confidence, power. Firmness and conviction and righteousness, alertness, ready to face any sudden challenge. Yuddhi will not run away from battle or any uh, difficult situation. Dana, generous uh, nature, generosity, and Ishwara Bhava, godliness in your qualities. So that's the qualities of Akshatriya. Now, verse 44. This verse speaks of Vaishya and Shudra. <clears throat> The Gita says, agriculture, cattle rearing, and trade are the characteristics of a Vaishya. Service orientation is characteristic of Shudra. Gunas and Swabhava are again born of Prakriti. That is, these natures come about through their Gunas. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Vaishya, Rajas is more, Tamas is second. In Akshatriya, Rajas is more, Sattva is second. Here, Rajas is more, Tamas is second, less Sattva. Why does he talk of agriculture and farming? Because at that time, when this was written 5,000 years ago, farming, agriculture, consumable goods from natural resources was what they used to trade more than Bitcoin. They didn't have Bitcoin back then. Yeah. So they traded in agricultural goods, consumable goods. And why they talk of cattle rearing? Because Gauraksha means the protector of a cow. Protecting the cows referred to protecting wealth. Mm -hmm. Cows represented wealth at that time. Cows, horses, elephants represented wealth. So today's day, 
instead of protecting the cows, you're protecting your bank balance. You're protecting your bitcoins, your savings in your bank. You protect the world, wealth of the world and the earth, the, the um, products that are in, in worth in, in the earth for global warming, etc. Those are also traders. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Vani, Vanijya is a trader, a merchant. He buys, he sells wealth. The Gita says, and all the scriptures say, should not be stagnant. It's not good for the world. Wealth has to be circulated. It should circulate. Not like today's wealthy people. They just hoard it, hoard it. Billions and trillions of dollars in their personal, that's just sitting over there. If wealth stays stagnant in one family or one community or one country, it's bad for the entire world. The Vaishyas are partly responsible for this because they have a tendency to hold on. Then comes the last uh, class, uh, which is Shudra, mostly Tamas, little Rajas, and no Sattva at all. These are physical servers. They do manual labor. They learn from Brahmins. They learn from Kshatriyas or from Vaishyas. They're more at ease to serve others and to listen and learn than to give of themselves. They serve the Lord. They serve the world. Krishna repeats again and again, Swabhava. This is characteristic of these things. Do not leave this episode with the thought that caste system means that you're born into a family. Because Krishna has said in verse 42, 43, 44, that these gunas are born of your own prakriti. Mm -hmm. These nature comes from previous lives and what you are. That's what makes you one class or another. The caste system is based on one's individual gunas, one's vasanas, one's inner temperament, one's inherent nature, and not one's birth or one's family. Very important to underline. Yeah, it was intentionally, originally intended as a spiritual determination as opposed to a genetic determination it was meant to say this is what you are you show your inherent capabilities as you are a born leader you shouldn't be made to sit and do the job of a merchant you're a born warrior you shouldn't be made to sit and sell goods in a store you should be out there on the battlefield because that's your gunas. You're a born thinker. You're an intellectual. You shouldn't be made to do manual labor, that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter where you're born. Excellent. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you in the next episode.